what's happening it is your girl kia the key with another episode of coloring with adults today i have some very very special guests with me all right so coffee could you please introduce yourself and tell us where you're from all right guys hey uh my name is coffee well it's not coffee but i go by coffee by yeah yeah it's kofi uh born and raised in ghana but um i'm out in japan right now all right kingsley okay people out there what it do it's your boy kingsley aka intellectually goofy we out here on the waves where you from? Yeah. Uh, where am I from? I am a citizen of the United States of Africa, Cameroon to be specific. Okay. Um, and I'm recently in the United States of right. Maryland. Of Maryland. All right. It's cold out there. It can get cold. It's not cold right now. Well, my windows are closed, so I got the heat on. All right, so it's cold. All right. (laughs) Okay, so everybody, this topic today is going to be about African stigmas and American stigmas. We are going to be comparing the two, and we're going to be having a discussion. Okay? So first, I want to start off with, I've dated African guys before. Okay, I dated a guy that was from Guyana. Uh, very, very different. Very, very different. Um, like he was cool. Uh, the things that I noticed about African guys, um, chivalry is not dead with y'all. Y'all real good with opening doors and you know, treating the lady how she want to be treated. Um, very, very family oriented. Like y'all mothers and y'all fathers are like everything they come before everything else um you guys are very neat they're very neat but i will say this when all of y'all get together y'all are the loudest people in the room <laughs> y'all be loud. to be. You gotta be y'all so loud y'all so loud so loud hard workers and you definitely take education very very serious more so than americans which is a shame so what is some stuff you noticed about American women? American women. Uh, I'm gonna let King go first. Okay. Uh, I go first. Yeah, my man. All right. So um, I'll say, man, American women. Of course. Well, I've lived, I've lived in the Midwest, and I've lived in the South. So I'll, I'll take it from there. Um, the Midwest. Uh, I I saw from what I saw it was just like a lot of American women are. I want to say, well, the women in the Midwest, I'll say, are much more all about that, more like the stuck-up kind of mentality, you know, like what can I get, you know? And then I moved to the South, and it was like Southern hospitality is real down here, you know, like they will treat a man as comparable as I can get it to say, they'll treat a man like an African woman would treat a man. Mm-hmm. That's what I have seen with the Midwest women and the women in the South. Mm. 
I guess the country aspect for me, the country aspect of how the country girls are, and you know, I relate that to how a woman in Ghana would treat a man. That's what I can say. Okay, we're gonna come back to that, Kingsley. Um, so just to be clear, we talking about stigmas in relationship or in dating. Yeah, but we're gonna move on to certain other things as we bring them up. Okay. Um, based on my experience, um, I I dated a girl one time, um, not one time, but there was a girl I dated, and um, she mentioned how I was the first African she ever dated, and. I don't know why, but I took that and I ran with it. And I ran with it because I wanted to make sure that I leave a good impression. I wanted to make sure that after me, you know, I, I knew that wouldn't, fuck it. But I want to make sure that after me, you know, okay, you know, Africans are cool. Um, and with that mentality, I became a beta male. I became this whole right. different, you know, person. Um, that was that I was trying to derail from, you know, that I was because I didn't want to be this this the stigma that Africans are. Mm-hmm. Um, and in turn, I actually resented her. Um, um, wow. Then, fast forward, I dated a girl in uh, um, from Texas, and boy, that was probably one of my best relationships because um, it was like dating. Uh, it was like dating an African woman. Mm-hmm. It was like she was very uh she's very nurturing and that was one thing that was actually probably the main thing that attracted me to her that nurturing aspect and now that i'm here in the east coast the women are very more aggressive um <laughs> they're very um if you ain't got money you can't talk to me you know so it's i i guess it's also the their their the mindset and the stuff that they were Told, brought up, you know, depending on your environment, your childhood, and your household, most of these women are you know, brought up like, man, your man ain't gonna do nothing for you. All you got is, you know, it's pretty much what it instilled with them. So I guess you got, it depends on, like you said, the area mm-hmm. more so, other than just the whole country. But isn't it in the African community, like the male is supposed to be the provider? for the household? Like, is that how you guys are raised? So is it crazy to come to America and see that women are more so stepping into that role and being like, yo, I'm I'm the provider. Like, I don't need no man. Right, right. It, it, def- it definitely is because um, manhood has changed. You know, man, manhood used to be, I said, in the continent of Africa when my parents used to were growing up and the younger manhood was you providing for your family, you working and putting food on the tables, you know, basic responsibilities, uh, sending your kids to school, uh, making sure there's a roof over, you know, uh, over your kids' heads. It was just basic stuff like that, um, mm-hmm. basic responsibilities. And now when you go from basic responsibilities to now um, more so feeling desires, desires like, okay, I want you to, more so though I want. Now, when you come to America, that's when the, you start hearing stuff like, this is what I want. For, mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, what happens to me just doing the basics and we're right. just getting along? And now the woman is like, man, if you can't do what I want, I can do it for myself. 
Mm-hmm. I and then I can do more than that. And I can put a roof over my head. It's like, okay, now what is my role? Right. What is like where, where do I fit in? And then if it's just the dick, then it's like, uh, now you're putting pressure now on that. You know, so there's a lot of things that just it's a lot of factors, I think. Mm-hmm. What about you, yeah. And to, to piggyback on yeah, so to piggyback of what Kane was saying, it's it's like growing up, of course, I grew up in Ghana and with me, my situation, my father wasn't around. My father was stateside already. So my mom was essentially my breadwinner, right? But also I, I saw in, not in my household exactly, but I saw outside of that, the father was the person that was the breadwinner. You know, the father would go bust his ass you know, on his nine to five, or even if he was a farmer, he would be at the crack of dawn. He has his gun on his shoulder and he's going out to the farm mm-hmm. to go do what he has to do to come back in the evening and put food on the table for his family, you know, but cross, you know, cross the ocean and get out here. And it's like, you know, yeah, the water's changed and a woman is going to job, father's going to job. And so everybody has income coming in. Now the woman feels like, yo, if my man can provide for me, I can go out and get the job it's equal opportunity, then like Kings was saying, as a man, wh- what am I supposed to do, you know? So we've seen that, I've seen that. It's just, it, it also, as a man, I think, depends on how, how, how knowledgeable or how strong-minded you are, you know, you can overcome that when you, you're an African man and you come this way and things are different. If you're strong-minded, you can learn to adjust and overcome that. But if if you're not strong-minded, you know, dating in this culture will be very stressful for you. I can say. Mm-hmm. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I, I would. I don't know if strong-minded would be the word I would use, because in a, in a picture this in, in a scenario where a man doesn't feel like my woman is 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 hurt. She has this faith and pretty much this trust in me that I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do whatever I need to do to make sure there's a roof over her head. Mm-hmm. That's going to motivate you. That's going to drive you. That's like respect to you. Now, if that woman can do that for herself, cool. It's one thing she can do that for herself. Now she's telling you, like, look, I can do this for myself. I don't need you. Now it's like, damn, where's the respect? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like the respect. So it's not even like... Like, are you, like, kind of mentally tough? It's like, yo, now you're disrespecting me. <laughs> yeah. You know, now you're like, what's and up with you? Respect is big in our community. Yeah. Res- respect is too huge. Like, you know, men don't care about love. Women what? care about love. Yeah, men don't, men care about respect. Let me write this down. Men don't care about love. Okay. Women are the one that need the respect. Like, women are the one that, like, because, you know, like, I mean, women are when they need like the love. Mm-hmm. When you say something to a woman, she she will feel the word. You know, you say something to a woman, she's like, "Oh, what she said made me feel this way." Because words 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 make women feel a certain way. Because you mm-hmm. know, they you say word when you say something to a man, it's gonna be information. It's information to him. He's taking this information. So words don't be, make a man feel any kind of way. Words, words is information. So you just said, if a woman was to say to you, 
Like, let's say she was like, yo, the light bill need to be paid or something like that. And you like, I ain't got it. And she like, basically, fuck you. I'm going to go out and I'm going to get it. I'm going to do what I got to do. Don't that make you feel some kind of way as a man? Okay. Matter of fact, let's use the same scenario. As a man, yes, it will make you feel some kind of way. In the same scenario, she tells me, babe, the light bill is, uh, is due. Yeah. I don't, I don't respond. And then she she was you know she replies again, babe. The light bill is due. Mm-hmm. I still don't respond. And then she goes off. She's like, yo, what the fuck? I just told you I be resolved. This is what I'm talking about. You never listen. Mm-hmm. But what she fails to understand is when you say the light bill is off to me, it's information. I'm processing. I'm thinking. Okay, what's my next move? So if I don't respond right away, it's because I'm processing. I am thinking. It's information to me. Mm. It's, not, it's not for me to think like, oh, damn, that sucks. Like, shit, what are we going to do now? Yeah. So I, as the man, what's the next move? Okay. Coffee? Okay. <laughs> um, well, in my perspective, well, that's, of course, it's all opinion day, right? Right. So that's, that's Ken's perspective, right? So for me, yes. I feel like I want to hear the words. I want to see the respect as well, you know? But like I said, respect is big for me. If, if things play out in that same scenario, right? If you tell me, babe, the light bill is due, we need to take care of it, I will respond. If I don't have it, I'll say, babe, I'm going to come up short this month. Can you take care of it? Cool. If you can't take care of it, then we'll figure out a way, right? Mm-hmm. But if you are to come to me and say, babe, the light bill is due, and if you don't take care of it, I'm going to take it, I'm going to take care of this shit. Right there, that tone, of course, right? That tone that you're going to use to say it as mm-hmm. well. The, the respect, I will feel like you are disrespecting me because of your Tony using to give me this information of a light bill being due, mm-hmm. you know? So I want to hear it, but also say it in a respectful manner. Respect is big. Even if it's, even if I don't have it, just tell me what you need in a respectful manner. Whether you're upset or not, just come at me respectfully. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't come off the wall. Yeah, don't be disrespectful. Okay, yeah. so Kinsley, you said something. You said in that one relationship that you were in, you had to become the beta for an American woman that you was talking to. Mm-hmm. Yo, how did that make you feel, bro? Because I know, I know I'm an alpha female. I know I'm an alpha female, and I'm willing to go beta for the right yeah. person. Right. But it didn't sound like you really felt like you necessarily had a choice in it to me right yeah um now you definitely you definitely hit it on the nail um i um i felt like a bitch boy <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I, in plain words i felt like a bitch i was like yo this this ain't me you know um and it it kind of <laughs> As as bad as it was, it kind of it kind of tuned up some other skills. Like I was kind of more affectionate. Like it kind of opened me up to more a different side. Even though mm-hmm. it was kind of, even though on the outside, you know, I was miserable. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I didn't like it. But then again, it still opened me opened me up to a side where I was, you know, I learned to, to listen more, um, to, to be cooperative, you know, take criticism. It was just little things like that. It was okay. Now, because I don't have, because I feel like, okay, the ball is not in my court. I got to... I got to be more the the background singer on this one. You know, I got to take the passenger seat and just just humble myself. It, it kind of pushed me towards humility. Mm-hmm. So which was, was it uh, because, what made you feel like you had to play the beta role? That's what right? I was just about to say. Let's go. So I I, I did it subconsciously. You know, it, it was unintentional. I went in there with, with the mindset was I'm going to do... Pretty much, I'm going to do everything by the book. You know, I'm going to try my hardest to be the best African, you know, boyfriend ever. Um, and I always set men, it, because of that, I second-guessed every decision. I made sure that every decision was was one that was always beneficial to her and not to both. Mm. So would you say you are doing it to make Africa proud? Shut up, my guy. Uh, no, up. let's talk about it. Come on now. Shut <laughs> <I> up. <laughs> my guy, I told you about that, that my first night. <laughs> my first encounter. <laughs> oh I'm, so, I'm, I'm sorry, Kia. We, 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 no, it's okay. It's okay. We stuff on you there, but uh, yeah, we'll get back to you. Get back yes, on track. Go ahead, now. So another question. So compare the African woman to the Southern woman. Like y'all said, it kind of reminds you of a Ghana woman in what way? Or a Cameroon woman or, you know. Okay. So with me, it was it was just more like, you know, not to say I watching my mom treat my dad because I, I never saw that, but just that mentality of, I had that image of if my dad was to be around the way my mom went about things, like this is how she would treat my dad. Mm-hmm. So that, I want to say that image I had of my head of my father being there, like she, my mom would get home from work and, you know, she would, you know, make sure everybody's eating and, you know, kids assignments are done for uh, for school and she's ready for work the next day, you know, and if she needed to take care of family, she took care of the nuclear family and she made sure that extended family was also taken care of, you know. Okay. And now with the Southern girl that I, I you know, I, I ran into, it was more of she was always checking like, yo, are you good? You know, have you eaten? Have you done this? Have you done that? You know, like, do you need anything? You know, mm-hmm. that just reminded me of how, my mother would have treated or my mother went around or do went around doing her things pretty much. So that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's just, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, to add to that, my experience was, you know, quite similar where when I was dating the Southern women, I, I felt needed. Um, I felt, uh, I felt like I felt like I was held responsible. Mm-hmm. I felt like she cared about my future, you know, like 
Kofi said she was asking you eating, um, what you got going on today. It wasn't what you're doing. It was, you know, what you got going on today. Mm -hmm. Um, And she, when she she would cook, you know, she would cook for me and and she would would bring it and serve it to me. Um, and, And I felt very honored. I felt very honored. And when I was done, you know, I said, thank you. It was good. And I went and washed my plate and clean up the kitchen. So it was like, I felt like I was my, whatever effort I was putting was also rewarded. And it made me want to do it more. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when she came over around my, when I was around my friends, she, you know, she'll ask, hey, who's around? She okay. Then she would dress accordingly because she knows. Okay, you're around guys. Guys will talk. You know? mm-hmm. But she always okay because I'm gonna be around your friends. I have to dress accordingly. She will come and she wouldn't. I would let her get engaged in the conversation, and she wouldn't try to uh, you know talk like one of the boys. She was, you know, she would say. She, some very smart stuff. And then when we try to talk, when we start getting our guy talk, she wouldn't try to stare us away. She was just, okay, I'm gonna let y'all have them, have y'all moment. And she would go do her thing. She mm-hmm. wasn't, um, she wasn't clingy. You know, she was responsible. She was able to do her own thing too. And I was able to do my own thing. And then we was able to kind of meet in the middle. And so it was just, it was just this balance where we just wanted to work for each other. Yeah. I, I feel you. I feel real. Yeah. All right. Well, Southern women are winning. Ding, ding, ding. We got the points. <laughs> 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 anyway, okay. So this is going to get, well, it ain't going to get serious, but when this whole Black Lives Movement thing happened, right? I remember I got um, one of the officers that work in my office. She was born and raised in Jamaica, right? So I'm sitting there and I'm talking about, you know, like all the stuff going on on TV, you know, cops killing all these black people or whatever. And then she looks at me and she says, I can't relate because I'm not black. And it never occurred to me to really think about, you know, all the people that came over from different countries and stuff like that to America that automatically, as soon as you come to America, you're automatically stamped as being black when that's not who you are. So how does that make y'all feel? Like, have you ever experienced any? Um, um, so for, right. for me, I, I, I don't think there was ever a moment where I wasn't reminded uh, I was African. Um, started in middle school. You know, I was made fun of being African. And then when I went to, to high school, it was, it was cool to be African. And then I, you know, I hit my glow and then I became, you know, this this handsome African man. So I've always been reminded I'm African as far as um, being labeled black. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't really, I only get that label um, I feel, I feel like I, I, I don't really know. I, that's not even, that doesn't occur to me. But I do under, I do 
I do still sympathize with, with African Americans and I do still, you know, understand uh, and empathize with them. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't I wouldn't say I, I can't relate, you know, right. because um for me I've I've gone to school here, so maybe her experience was different. But maybe, you know, she has a different experience with, with African Americans. Because I, as a foreigner I know coming from Africa, you African Americans have the you know, the title we, we called you guys Akata and most of the time, that's not something good. You know, that's that's just that's just like, oh, the African-Americans. You know, that's just something we call the African-Americans. Mm. And, we, you know, we you guys are known for being disrespectful, and that's something we don't do. Right. Disrespectful to your elders and, you know, men sag their pants, young women um, just, uh, you know, wow. So I guess we kind of um, try to not associate with, with the Akata's. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and that's something that our parents try to instill in us. Whereas you know, not all our parents, but there's you know, yeah, you know the, the the katas don't come and be like this katas. You know, that's always something mm-hmm. that is always echoed. So I I I kind of understand where she's coming from, but that's, you know, she's not speaking for all. Of course not. Just one job. Yes. So uh, just like like King said, you know, there's there was never a time where, as an African, you going through school, you're not reminded that oh, you're African, you're not black, or you're not American, or you're not white. Mm-hmm. There is there's always that it's, it's it's like that stigma, right? It's like a stigma there, like right, right of the right of the bat. As soon as you're an African kid, you step into school right away. Even the black kids can can tell that oh you're not African American you are African right mm-hmm. which is the same way if you if if you're to go to Ghana or go to Cameroon today as soon as you step off the jet the we the locals can tell that hey you know what you're not Cameroonian or even if you're Cameroonian you've been away out the country for a while so you're not really part of us mm-hmm. right so yeah we were always pointed at it, oh yeah that's the African boy yeah I don't sound like you. Because I just got here, but I was always the laughing stock. Even within the black community, I was the laughing stock. You know. Mm-hmm. So when she says I can't relate, not she's not. I don't think she's saying that because she can't relate because of the skin color, but just because of the way she experienced certain things through her life. Like for me, for example, when I and I got, I came to high school in America, and I remember I'd be in gym class and. I don't know how, but some this girl would always make fun. Like we're playing basketball, she's she's always made fun that oh, my facial features when I caught the ball that was passed to me was always funny. I'm like, how are you even paying attention to my facial features in PE? Like why? Like yeah. And then next thing is oh, you sound funny or you have this accent and this. And then graduate like Kinsley said, now I'm a young handsome African guy and. My clothing style is what everybody's trying to wear when I walk out in public, and they're like, "Yo, I want, I, I want that, I want that." Mm-hmm. But then with Black Lives Matter and everything else, it's like I can sympathize, like King said, I can sympathize with it, but I can't really connect to it. Right. Right. Because yes, for me, the way I look at it is one: America should never have gone to the point where it is now, mm-hmm. you know, it is, it is looked as, as the beacon on the hill that everybody looks up to. 
But as far as race and everything else, it shouldn't have gotten to that point, you know. For me, being born and raised in Ghana and seeing what, learning the history of Ghana and everything, how slavery, there there are some castles in Ghana up to date where you walk in and you can smell slaves in dungeons and you the certain parts of the castle where you go through and it's 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 like name on that gate is the gate of no return like you can walk through there and you can look up and there's the ocean and you can just imagine your ancestors just walking out from home and never coming back home you know yeah so i i live here uh you know i'm a citizen and all that but i can't really connect with the black lives matter because what was the black lives movement I don't want to say, I don't want to say, it won't be fair for me to say, what, where was it when it was happening back then in slavery right. days, but where was that, you know? But of course, it's it's evolution, things are changing, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping America will get out of this spot it's in, you know? But mm-hmm. yeah, I can't really connect to the whole Black Lives Matter thing. It's, it's, it's nothing wrong with it, but it's just, yeah. That, that's, that's, that, that's understandable very understandable i think it was just me in my in my american ignorance in a way not really taking into consideration okay like yeah there's people that are labeled black by just a typical cop or you know just a typical american walking around or whatever but there's uh, a lot of people here that aren't African-Americans, like it's people from Africa, it's people from Haiti, it's people from, you know, all like everywhere, you know what I'm saying? And just because their skin is darker, automatically they're labeled black. And I never really considered until she said that, like, yo, she was like, this Black Lives Matter shit ain't got nothing to do with me. (laughs) Like she straight up said it and I was looking like, yo, you right, it don't got nothing to do with you. Like, like it's like the same thing you guys said like she said i can empathize i can sympathize with it but i am not african-american i'm jamaican so i just had to ask that question because i just wanted to get y'all you know idea how y'all feel i I, I would say for um in 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 your case I, i i wouldn't say it was the american ignorance um you know, it, it is a very, it's a very passionate and uh, um, very interesting time, you know, in, in our lives. And we understand, I understand why you, you know, you would be kind of taken back hearing that from another black person, you know, mm-hmm. thinking that, okay, there's a black life mo- movement and we should all be in this together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but in, in my case, I actually don't even un- really understand um, what the whole movement is all about. I don't either. Yeah. Um, and and they said it's, it's it's not it's all lives matter. I've heard the all lives matter. So and they said no, it's it's more so Black Lives Matter because of how systematic you know it's it's been set up. Because you know it's one thing to to just spread rumors, but it's another thing to really just set up a system for people to just fail. Right. <laughs> you right. know, like 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 the, like the welfare system. It, it's crazy. It, it's to just so I guess I understand if it's like a if it's like a systematic movement to liberate the uh, black people 
and in turn kind of liberate, I guess, you know, women as well, you know, with the whole mm -hmm. feminist movement mm -hmm. and I don't know, whatever. Now I understand, but if it's just because you just want a couple of black people out of jail and you want to legalize weed, then, then uh, I don't know. Yeah. I think, I think it, it hits different for me because the South is all I know. I'm from the South. My my great grandmother, my grandmother, my grandfather's, my father, my mother. Everybody's from the South, so it hits different for me. So uh, I get it. I understand why people are upset. I understand why they're pissed. But for me, this is nothing new. This been going on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's just now everybody got an iPhone. And everybody got a camera, you know what I'm saying? If, if they back and call, be able to record something. But this has been happening. Even the college I went to, I went to uh, the University of West Georgia in Carrollton. And it's like right on the state line of Georgia and Alabama. Oof. And I've been called a nigga working at Walmart, trying to pay for school to go through college. Uh, <laughs> one day we had a guy come on base with his baby and his wife holding a sign. He like he came on our college campus with a sign saying, you know, all niggas are gonna die. Then another time, oh, wow. I, yeah, I came walking uh to go to class. It, somebody, uh one of the Caucasian people that took nooses and hanged them all over the main courtyard that we walked through. Oh shit. What? Yeah, I was standing outside one time, a, a pickup truck. Uh, pulled up with all these white guys in it and they threw bricks at us. So for me, it hits Damn. different. You know what I'm saying? For me, because it, it's just something that that's always happened. And I get it like people from New York, they want to put this parade together and stuff like that or whatever. But I'm like, okay, yeah, you bring attention to it, but what is really being done? What's the true result? Mm. So I don't know. It hit different for me. I mean, at, at the end of the day, um, I'm still gonna be behind the movement. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm still gonna be all about it. But and then I still feel like you know the white people are getting scared, man. I, I was a uh, I was I was in San Diego when this whole thing started. But um, I was with my uh, girlfriend at the time. We in the store. And white guy came up to us. He's like, man, I'm, I'm really sorry for what's, what's going on to y'all, man. Like, I, I didn't know. Like, you know, like, uh, I'm sorry. You know, so we were just like, um, uh, okay. And then okay. we went, we went out for her. We went out for her birthday. People didn't even know it was her birthday. So, you know, some of the way the situations came to us, like, well, um, people over there just paid for your food. They said they're really sorry for what's going on, what's happening to you guys. And... It, it, it's kind of like, well, okay, at this point, it's like, okay, I understand, but okay, enough. Like, what I the fuck? This shit's been I going push, on, you know? Now I'm getting mad. Now I'm getting, I mean, I'm still eating this food and thank you, but what the fuck? You know what I'm You got out of paying for the, di for the dinner that night, huh? Man, yeah, man, I, we kept getting all this stuff for free. Yeah. It's like, oh man, because you know we're so sorry. They're they're killing you guys, and we didn't know. What, what do you mean? <laughs> I, that's yeah. what I don't understand. What do you mean you didn't know? You didn't. What, know. That's like it? somebody saying that I'm colorblind. Like, nah, don't tell me you're colorblind, my guy. I don't see color. What? 
<laughs> but it's 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 wild. Mm. Okay, so I got another question. Yes, Before y'all came to America, what idea did you have of America before you got here versus now that you hear? It's that that's funny. That's funny you asked that. Cause I'm I'm about, I'm about to ask you. Okay. Have you ever been to Africa? No, I want to go so bad. Okay, what idea do you have of Africa right now? Right now, in this moment? Yeah. There is... What, you see on TV? Huh? No. Let's, let's no, say no. Bo- in the past, before... Okay, in the before past, and now. I'll tell the truth. What, what did you in have past, before and now? I remember yeah. being a little girl, and the only thing they would show of Africa would be the little kid starving, you know, the little commercial in the arms of an dollar a day? Huh? The dollar a day commercials. Yeah, right. So I like I was so hurt by that one day. Like I ain't even gonna lie. I got my mom like credit card out her purse, and like <laughs> and like was donating to one of the kids. Like one of the kids was sending me letters and stuff like that. But then I got caught <laughs> because my mom opened up one of the letters. Like what the fuck is this? And then she found out. But yeah, that was the that was the only thing that they were showing in America to give us any idea of what Africa was like. But honey, as I got older and I start, like I said, I dated a guy from Guyana. Um, you know, I start, you know, dating different people, mean different people or whatever. And they start showing me pictures. I was like, they lied to us. <laughs> <laughs> they lied to us. Like I could have been over there. Like it's gorgeous over there. They just made it seem like the way America was advertising it to us was just everybody was over there starving. Everybody had AIDS. And they just killing each other. Yeah. yeah. Genocides and this yeah. and that. And the yeah. thing is, and like, your... it's like, why didn't y'all ask questions? Well, yeah, y'all kids, but like, why didn't Americans have... ask questions? It's but like, you gotta ask this, you gotta answer this question, though, right? Mm-hmm. In school, the history we're being taught is that history, these wars and stuff, wasn't that bloody. They telling us Christopher Columbus discovered America, which is a lie. You know what I'm saying? And you don't really right. find that out until you start doing research on your own. So, as a child, Anything that's being fed to you, that's that's what you're gonna right. believe. You just, it's you it's just, in you a just history book. That. Yeah, it's right. in a history book. Right. But until you come out of that, you like, yo, like, nah, y'all need to take all this crap out of here. <laughs> all right. So now, what was your perception of Africa? Now it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. I want to go. <laughs> I want to go. I'm so serious. Like that is number one on my bucket list. I want to go. Okay. I want to okay. go. Like I met a, so, a a homeboy in the Navy. His father, I can't remember the name of his dad, but his dad is like a well, well known. Uh, not his dad. His grandfather is a well, well known chief in this very prominent village or something. Okay. Yeah. So which, he which, was from a line of like chiefs and stuff, and he really like broke everything down for me. So. My idea of it is totally different. Yeah. That's awesome. So to to answer your question of what did I think of America before coming and what do I think of it now? Um, before coming, 
America was the land of concrete sidewalks and living in air conditions. Um, they have food on the table. Not to say I didn't have food on my table, but everything in America was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the humans out there were dark as me and lighter than me, mm-hmm. you know, and fast cars and electricity was working and water was running in the house. And yeah, I wanted to go, you know, yeah. that's what I saw on TV, you know, you know, you, you see it on TV and then you get here and after living here for a while, you're like, yo, this is not it. <laughs> this is not it. Had I known, and it's it's always like hindsight is twenty twenty. you know, right. like, had I known that this is what it is, I would have stayed home. I would have been better off being back at home. Yeah. But now I can't say I want to move back home because my adult life has been in America. This is what I know. If I go back to Ghana now, I'll be starting from the bottom. But had I stayed, I would have been somewhere else. You know, my mates back home, a lot of my mates are well off back home. You mm-hmm. know, yes, it's not, the living conditions is not up to par as America is. But if you have money back in Ghana or in Africa, you are good. Yeah. You are good. Like, when I go back home, some of my friends I go out with, I mean, they're like, yo, don't worry about it, man. We, we'll take care of this. Mm-hmm. You know? So yeah, it's it's the land of concrete sidewalks, and you can actually call nine one one and get a response, and cops will show up. If you what does that mean? Why you say that? It's not like that in Africa. Uh, uh, what police station number are you gonna call? It's the police station. That, do they even have a working landline? <laughs> Yo, dude, let me tell you a story. Somebody <laughs> told me they said their mom said their mom went to Nigeria and she was being robbed at her house. So she called the cops and somehow the cops picked up, you know, she got through <laughs> and she was like, yo, I'm being robbed. They're here right now. I need you to get over here. So the cops were like, all right, um, come pick us up. <laughs> Be quiet. <laughs> that's, that's reality. That's reality. You know? <laughs> Unless unless you live in a neighborhood that is, you know... That has its own private security. Or private security. If you live in a regular city with just everybody, the regular Joe, what, 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 like how every suburb in America or every town in America has your own police department. We don't have that. Mm -hmm. Right? So... Who are you going to call? You're going to be in the village and call the city that, hey, city cop, I'm getting robbed or my house is on fire and I need to come put a fire out. If you don't go to the river and go fetch your own bucket and come put your fire out, your house will be burned down. <laughs> Yo, even, even an ambulance. Imagine, imagine having an accident. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Or, you know, having an accident on the road and, and you know, have, in, in Africa, right? Let's say in Cameroon. If you have an accident on the road and you kill somebody, the first thing you do as a driver is you get up and you start running. Why you ask? Because <laughs> when the neighbors come out and they yeah, see that you kill somebody, they will get your ass and they will whip your ass and they will kill you as well. You said they'll yeah. do what? They'll beat you? They'll, yes. This is real yes. life. 
they would they would they would kill you because you killed somebody. And then if the cops come and they're over, you know, by this time hopefully they've only they've only gone as far as only put the tire towel the tire on you and about to burn you, and then the cops can be like, okay, okay, enough. You've already broken every bone in his body. No. You know, he's already hurt. He's probably already cut his dick off. You know, it's enough. That's when the cops like, will finally pull up. Like, we were talking up. about ambulance. Like, when we were talking about ambulance, like, I remember as a, uh, I think I was about 13, 14, I was in a interstate bus traveling between the United States, and, like, a Greyhound and our bus had an accident. I mean, this bus rolled over in the ditch maybe three, four times. I woke up, literally, there was dead bodies, and... I get, I'm surprisingly, no scratches, nothing. I make my way out of the ditch onto the street. The driver's laying dead, like cold, freshly dead on the, in the middle of the street. And talk about it, trying to call for an ambulance to come and get the injured and wounded. It's not going to happen. It's the other travelers on the road who, if they have mercy, will take you. If their vehicle is full, they'll probably disembark some people take the injured to the nearest hospital to get treatment. You're not going to call so ambulance it's, and say, it's hey, you um, on your community. Yeah, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to yeah. survive. It's all about that village mentality. And that's why I call out of my boys, my village boys, because like, yeah, we're not in Africa no more, but once we are away from Africa and we see each other, we always have that connection in between. Mm-hmm. Like, no yeah, matter what, if, well, you can be from Cameroon or you can be from Nigeria, you can be from Kenya, whatever, you're Africa and we've all been through the same thing. So the connection is there. Mm-hmm. It takes a village to raise a child. It's really, it takes a village to survive. Have you have you seen that meme? It's a meme that um, I think it's. Let me try not to misquote it, but I think it's. Uh, you go to a party and a song come on, and you see all these Africans and Caribbeans that don't know each other, and they just start dancing and sing. They just start dancing to the song, and they're dancing in rhythm. They're probably doing the same routine, and they're strangers, you know? But because of this song, you know, there's just something that kind of just connects. Connects everybody. And next thing you know, everybody's just vibing. They see, like, the Caribbeans are doing their dance, the Africans are doing their thing, but you, somehow you're yeah, doing Jackie, it in sync. You know, it's just... Everybody, some strangers come and just start dancing, just because, you know, that, that village mentality, that vibe is okay. This, this vibe is familiar. Mm-hmm. You feel what yeah. I'm feeling. That was my thought of America, not to, not that we, we went off on a tangent there, man, I'm sorry, but um, no, that, was, that was my view of America. But yeah, America, uh, oh, now yeah, I look uh, at my... America and I'm like, I don't want to live here. Mm. Take me with you when you leave, okay? Dead <laughs> <laughs> ass. What'd you Go say, ahead, King? King? <laughs> um, um, my view of America was was I guess just like everybody else it was just utopia, you know, place with. As a kid, you come and I felt like there was no rocks in the street. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like all the streets were paved. There was no rocks. Everybody lived in a white picket fence. Um, uh-huh. The the grass was green. Um, Very green. And I just had just every just all these positive things about America. And boy, was it a culture shock. The first thing was the cold. 
the uh, the cold, <laughs> yeah. man. The, the cold was, you know, it was, it was brutal. You know, I, first of all, I, it was, I came during the winter time in America, oh, but hell. in Cameroon it was during Christmas time. So I still had my, my Christmas clothes, you know, the, you know, your Christmas clothes, your fly African clothes, you know, but you come here and it's like, man, put that aside. And you need, you know, a jacket, some jeans. Like, yeah, what? But this is my fly gear, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're like, nah, bruh. Yeah, like, yo, you gotta, uh, you, 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 mm. so, so the winter, and then I go to school and I see, you know, guys and girls hugging each other. No, no, this what you what? can do that. You know that that was that's a cultural norm here, but in Africa that means you like each other. You yeah. know, but it's like you see guys and girls like hugging each other. Oh hi, what's up? Come on, you like whoa. And then I go to class after the first mod. I'm thinking school is over, so I go to the bus stops. But in America, apparently you gotta go to another class. So, <laughs> you know, and then, matter of fact, my first day of middle school, my first day of middle school, I cried because like, I was so overwhelmed with everything. Yeah. Everything was just yeah. so new to me. So yeah. I was, and my dad was like, you want to go home? I was like, yeah. Yeah, it was just yeah, yeah. back on the plane. Yeah, like, yeah, it was, and then I started hearing words like African booty scratch. It's like they started introducing me to stuff that I didn't even know about Africa. Yeah. They started, they asked me that I live in a two story <laughs> hut. They said that I had sex with monkeys. I'm like, what? I've actually never lived with, the only animal I had was a dog. And I didn't even like that dude. <laughs> they asked me, did you live with, ant- with lions? And like, did you have cars? Hey, do you have lions Where in did the you back, think I lived? backyard? What? Yeah, yeah they're just like yeah. they're, they're schooling me to some shit about Africa. I didn't know. That, we didn't even know. <laughs> it's like whoa, and then they're asking the dumbest questions. Um, as Africa a country, speak African, and in your mind, like, yeah. Yeah, these these are the people that we were told were the smartest. We were told yeah, Americans smart. were the smartest, and you asking these dumbass questions, just. And so and then I think, but my view really changed when I went to Japan. I was like, "Yo, when they they treat you differently oh as, my God. as a black person, you know, as a black person, I understand like why all these slaves went off to fight in World War Two and never came back." It's like, "Yo, fuck, fuck America! I don't know why the motherfuckers came back." But <laughs> but when you go off to other places and you see how the people treat you, you just like, "Damn, don't go to yeah. America." <laughs> yeah. like, Yo, can, can, you want it. Can we trade citizenship? Cause yeah, I, I, I fucks with this. For real, trade. Yeah, ma'am. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, it did. It did. And I hope I answered y'all question about what we. Yeah, should. But that's yeah, what I'm saying. Good. Them call them, the African booty scratcher thing. That comes from like uh, a comedian or something that used to come on in a uh, on one of the the television shows, and everybody took that and ran with it, but. As far as them saying stupid stuff like speak African, do y'all have lions and tigers and whatever and y'all y'all and all this, it is simply based off of what we were being exposed to as far as Africa for real. Yeah, like we like America did not show y'all in this light to where y'all was this civilized place it just seemed like everybody was hungry everybody was walking around naked 
It was just dirty. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Everybody was hungry. It was like, yo, how, how long these niggas gonna be hungry? Like, <laughs> yo, I told you I stole my mama's car to like feed for the kids. Cause I was like, yo, the eye of the angel commercial come on one more time, bro. Like, I used to cry on that commercial. <laughs> oh shit, uh, yo, Chris, this nigga, Chris. I think it was Chris Rock. He said, America is the only place that it, that makes fun of people when they get fat. Like, you see a fat person, they get made fun of you. But if you go to other countries, when they see you fat, like, bro, what the fuck are you eating? You eating good. Yeah. Like, you living that life. I'm trying to be yeah. like you. Yeah. But in America, yeah. mm, that's yeah. crazy, dog. <laughs> like, how long are these niggas going to be hungry? Yeah. Mm, these niggas I'm telling you, like, that commercial needs to come on, like, it. I think it was 10 p.m. every night it would come on. And as soon as I seen that little baby, bruh, it was like four <laughs> times too many. And I was like, fuck this. I ain't never stole from my mama before, but I got to do it. It's for a good cause. <laughs> mama, look, you're coming to confessions, bro. It's for desperate measures, you know? I was just like, this is horrible. Yeah, it's, but for, no. it's for the kids. But it's, it's like, damn, why? Why is it always the same kid? They was, they would even play it. I feel like everything was so strategic, man. They were so smart with how they they played it on America. Sunday mornings too. That's America. They're strategic. Oh, man. They are some kind of <laughs> everything was so thought of, man. Right. And then, and then it's crazy because now because everything is so strategic, now we have to learn our history through their history. Like, for example, African mm-hmm. history. We learning shit through American history. Like what? Like, yeah. Like, Africans don't even know their own history. Mm-hmm. I know more, like, learning learning about America has, has exposed me to African history. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, learned, well yeah, also, I, I'll say because... Uh, textbooks in school, the Europeans came to Ghana and brought education, education, and we were learning their history of Africa through what they saw, not what we, not what our fathers and forefathers actually taught us. Right. right. They forced education down our throats to the point where, like Burner Boy said it best in his latest album, he said, the teachers are teaching what they teach in the European schools. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so. What was y'all being taught about your culture? That 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 a white man came and discovered Cameroon, civilized us, and 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 gave us, you know, gave us books and all this shit. But they don't tell you that the white man. Yeah, they don't tell you that he brought religion. They they don't tell you how he originally came and. Con us and sodas, sugar, and all these things. They, they just yeah, said he came. Yeah. He came and discovered people. Like, what the fuck? Who discovered this motherfucker? Exactly. Right? <laughs> so it's the same thing. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. that's what they tell so it's you. The same thing on both sides. Mm-hmm. They put yeah. in the book what what they want us to know, not what is actual facts. Not what really is. That's why yeah. that's why there, there's there's an African Spanish speaking country. There's an yeah. African Portuguese speaking country. Yeah. Uh, yeah. motherfuckers just went over there and, and put their own name. Like, yo, this is Sir Pablo. Now it's niggas are like called one and shit. It's like, what? Yeah. You know, like how K 
Cameroon speaks French. Like, yeah, what? Yeah, and then yeah, half of it speaks it's, English. It's, yeah, I speak English. I speak French. I mean, but 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 then again, one one man discovered this place though. They half speak English and half speak French. He came and was like, "Hey, I need sugar." And the Kool Aid, bring right. it together. Put water. It together. Yeah. I give y'all water. All right. Do y'all yeah. have any more questions? Go ahead, man. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I that was. Ba- I've learned a lot. Okay, that was basically <laughs> all my questions. Y'all got questions for the Americans? Uh, for the Americans. <laughs> No. This okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you the same question oh, I asked Kofi. I'm gonna ask the same question I asked Kofi. All right. If you had a if you had a billion dollars today, what would you do for the black community? Hmm. Uh, I would I would definitely build up the community. The the way, um. Like, especially, like, the hood where I'm from and stuff like that. When I went back home recently, because I hadn't been home, like, in a year and a half or something like that, when I went back home, I'm noticing the Caucasian people are coming in and finally building that area up. You know what I'm saying? And they pushing all of the OGs out of that community. You got people, grandmas and stuff, still living there, being um, giving pennies to nickels to move out of their house when they think it's that. So, if anything, I would definitely build up the black community in that aspect as far as, you know, the schools, um, just the overall village, if you will. And uh, it would be very important to have um, some kind of financial class or something like that in these schools. They need to know about it. They, I wish I would have known about it. Like, I'm in my 30s, and I'm just now learning about finances, for real, for real. Like, that shit is important. Like, all this other stuff, knowing what a polygon and a hexagon and all this shit, that shit's not important. You need to know about, you need to know how to invest your money and stuff like that. So, that's what I would do. At least teach me the faces on the money. Yeah, something. <laughs> Who that man be? You know what I'm saying? Like, right. yeah, like that, and that would be uh, really important. And like we said, getting that flim flam out of them history books. Facts. I don't care how bloody it is, we need the truth. Facts. Yeah. Because if you don't know who you are as a person, then you, you just out here. Like, you know, it's the worst feeling in the world to not know who you are. You need to have some kind of identity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I would do. Very true. Thank you. My name but is. One thing, oh. I'm running for Mrs. Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Don't let me speak hey, for you a moment. <laughs> what you say? <laughs> I said, don't let me Steve Harvey your moment. Whatever, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was going to say, for me, um, as far as being here and, you know, living in America now, like, I try to educate, you know, my fellow African-Americans more about the culture or about who I am and what I stand for every chance I get. But, I mean, with mostly, especially with, you know, 
my choice of clothing, you know, like every time I step out, I'm wearing something African, you know, and I can't tell you how many times there was a time where I'm in the club in my corner and this man walks up to me like my guy, yo, I'm really digging this alpha you got on. Let me buy it off your back. I'm like, bro, if you buy it off my back, <laughs> am I supposed to be in the club with my tank top? Like, right. But through that, you know, exactly how much you talking, right? But through that encounter, like, and I'm also big on networking, I just exchanged my network with him, my contact with him, and my, if I'm lying, I'm dying. My, this man ordered a thousand dollars worth of African clothes through us, through my tailor. And ultimately last 2019, my brother was in Ghana and he went back home as a visitor through that encounter from the club where we built that network. Now he's interested in Ghana, went back home, he got to tour Ghana and now his mentality and thought process about Africa is absolutely different, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, wow. So it's, it's just, it's, it's just, Crazy. Like my brother just got back from Ghana this Christmas and he plays another thousand dollars worth of clothing for my tailor and he's just like you know, every little well, for, thing for, like for the record, Kofi, yeah. fuck fuck your tailor. For for the record. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. <laughs> fuck this nigga. <laughs> but um like I'm African Americans, I I can honestly say <laughs> there's a lot of them that are interested to know about Africa and know about their background, mm-hmm. but just don't have the resources or have the people to tell them about it. So mm-hmm. with me, every chance I get, like I'm telling people, like I'm I'm putting I'm putting myself all the way out there. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is who I am. This is what I represent. If you want to ask, ask, and we can you know talk about it. So thank you very much for having us on this. Now fuck all that now. shit. Them, them dudes are lazy. Not even if, the the resources out there. They're lazy. <laughs> Motherfucker, EJ went into the, the the store and they said nice costume. What do you mean? That nigga's lazy. <laughs> you went up to the YouTube. Yo, I like your outfit. Start a conversation. Go do the freaking research <laughs> yourself. You can go and volunteer. Do vol- Google volunteer in Ghana, volunteer wherever, and you'll pull up resources. You can go to that country. <laughs> Motherfuckers just lazy. They just want to just want to make fun of people. But that's America. We're lazy, and we've always had access to everything yeah. right at our fingertips. So too much freedom. That's what too much freedom gets you. I never understood that. I really never understood that. Like, what the fuck do you mean too much freedom? But really, in America, that's what too much freedom. Too much yep. fucking freedom. Just everything's accessible, right? Yeah. Too much freedom where you can look at a police officer and cuss him out, and the police officer won't do anything. But try that in Ghana. <laughs> what you talking about? Yeah. What police officer wear? Not in America. Cause what yes, police officer? Really? Yeah, y'all be like, fuck you. You uh, yeah. Oh, I'm from the south, honey. No. <laughs> Yo, oh, head. I've seen it multiple times in the south. And the fuck the police. Do this. Do that. The police. Especially do the that. white people. What? <clears throat> Especially no. the, no, oh, the white people be worse. Yeah, well, they be way oh, more they're, disrespectful they're to the police. Yeah, they really, they're they really trying it. Like you can see the way they, it'd be another white man talking to another white man. I say, fuck you. Yo, my favorite, my favorite oh, yeah, shit. White people, white people say to each other. Favorite shit I ever heard white people say to each other is when they call each other nigger lovers. I mean, yeah, I feel like that's the funniest shit ever. Like, how you gonna call another white man a nigger lover? Like, 
Thank you, guys, so much. Look at Kingsley. Thank you very much Thank for having us. So in my language, you will say, in my language, you will say, Midasi. Midasi. Mm. Did I say it right? In my language, we say, we'll be waiting for our check. Who? We'll be waiting for our check. <laughs> anyway. Money, 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 money. Thank y'all. <laughs>